Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Let's bow and ask the Father to help us through His Spirit. Heavenly Father, You have preserved the words of Jesus for us. As the song said, wonderful words, beautiful words, words of life. Father, now we ask that the Holy Spirit who who gave us these words would enlighten our minds and stir our hearts to receive them to understand them, to be transformed by them and greatly encouraged through them. For we ask this in Jesus' name, the very spokesman of these words. Amen. Today I want to draw your attention to a set of red-letter words, and and each week we're going to have a, a new set of verses, one verse, several verses, but things Jesus himself actually said things that Jesus uh, communicated to those who were with him, and then the Holy Spirit preserved them for us. And even now, the Holy Spirit would be guiding us into greater truth to understand them. So today, I'm going to draw your attention to a set of red-letter words that absolutely captivated me when I read them this week. They're found in the Gospel of John. Now, those of you who have been following right along, you know that two weeks ago I suggested we read the Gospel of Mark. And our passage of the day came from that. Last week I suggested that we read through the larger, significantly larger and longer Gospel of John. And I did that. I trust you did. And today's key scripture comes from that great Gospel. John chapter 14, verse 23, here it is. Today's key scripture are red letter words from Jesus. If anyone comes after me, he will, excuse me, if anyone loves me, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, in that passage, and it's the only passage of the Bible that that suggests this, and so we, we choose it and pay attention to it today, in that passage, Jesus reveals to us, first of all, what I'm calling an incredible possibility. An incredible possibility. A thing that might happen, that could happen. And here's what that thing is. It's the possibility... <clears throat> of us, while we're in this life, the possibility of us enjoying phenomenal fellowship with God. The possibility that you and I, each of us, us together even, can enjoy phenomenal fellowship with God. Specifically, Abba, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus, our exalted Savior, taking up residence in our hearts. Now, that would be pretty phenomenal. 
and the fellowship that we would enjoy would, would be awesome. Taking up residence, God, in our hearts, making their home with us. The Father, the Son, and of course the Holy Spirit, Numa himself, is already there as he's brought new life to us and he accompanies us and he's with us. Jesus says, now it's possible that the Father and the Son also might come and take up residence, make their home with us. So I want you this morning to just try to imagine what that would be like. Let me share a kind of earthly parable with you. This parable is found in a book that you can read. It's found in a movie that you can watch. And the title of both the book and the movie is simply this, The Shack. It's been a phenomenal tool in the hands of the Spirit. The shack tells the story of a broken man. A man mired in what he called the great sadness. The great despondency that came upon him following the abduction and the murder of his little eight-year-old daughter. Just overwhelmed by that. That's the storyline. The man's name is Mac. His faith, Mac's faith, following after that horrible experience, his faith being primarily based upon objective truths was not strong enough to bring him through. He could not figure his way through that, nor did he want to. He, like many other professing believers would have done, settled down into the darkness of doubt and disillusionment. His suffering was profound and his interest in spiritual things non-existent. And then he received an invitation. An invitation, as strange as it may seem, to spend a weekend with God in a cabin in the woods. It came written out to him in his mailbox. He follows the instructions in the letter, and he walks into what we are calling today a phenomenal fellowship. There in that pristine cabin in this idyllic state, he discovers Abba and Jesus and Numa enjoying life together. Now there in that place over that weekend, his first discovery is how much they love each other. They truly delighted one another's presence. Laughter and joy fills the cabin. His second discovery is how much they love him. He enjoyed tea and scones on the porch in the morning sun with Abba himself, the one who above everything else is seen to be wise and good, the one who can be approached about anything and who can bring comfort in everything. He delighted in time spent with Jesus, walking on the water on the lake, and simply enjoying the complete acceptance offered by the one who had sacrificed his very life for him. He was awestruck 
by the incredible ability that the Holy Spirit possessed to take what was the tangled mess of the seemingly wild plants behind the cabin and form them into a beautifully configured garden. His third discovery, one that was truly transformational, his third discovery and the point of the parable is just how much he had come to love them. And how he never wants to lose the phenomenal fellowship that he's been enjoying with them. The key moment in the book, in the movie, comes when it's time for him to leave the cabin. Really to wake up from the dream he's been having and return home. With tearful conviction, this one-time shattered man who has now discovered genuine fellowship with God says, I don't want to go. In fact, I won't go unless you agree to come with me. I never want to lose what I've found here with you. Without any hesitation, they, of course, agree to go with him. And that's the point of the story parable, and that's today's key concept. Phenomenal fellowship with God, Abba, Jesus, and Numa, is an incredible possibility for all born-again children of God. They, Father, Son, and Spirit, desire to come, as it were, and build a shack in our hearts where this phenomenal fellowship can be enjoyed. Remember, Mac was invited to spend the weekend at the shack. Our red-letter passage of the day pointed that out to us. Jesus said, we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, here's something fascinating. Just reading through those red letters, you might not pick up on this, so, but it's fascinating to me. The word in red that Jesus used here that's translated home is the Greek word mone. Mone. And it's only used two times in the entire New Testament. Now, just imagine how many times in the New Testament homes are spoken of. They went to Peter's home where his mother-in-law had a fever. They went into the home of the little girl who had died. Homes are mentioned all over the place, but only twice in the New Testament, both times in this chapter, is this Greek word used, and the English translators are, are, are trying to come up with the, what does it mean? We can't compare it to a hundred other usages. It's only used twice. It's used here in John chapter 14, verse 23, and it's used in the second verse of this same chapter, a verse that I'm sure is much more familiar to us. Here's how that second verse reads. Jesus says, In my Father's house, Monet, there are many rooms, mansions. In my Father's house, 
there are many, and the, the word is actually rooms. Or the King James says mansions. Remember that little song from Sunday school days, I have a mansion just over the hilltop? I like that image of a mansion. So more appropriate translations might be there are dwelling places or abodes or even places for fellowship. That's what Jesus is saying. My father and I will create within the heart of those who meet the conditions. We will dwell there. We'll make our home there. It'll be a glorious place, like a mansion even. You see, with the use of this unique word, in this very special one-time-only teaching, Jesus was informing us that something of the reality of heaven itself can be experienced while we are still on this earth. It's, dare I say, what Jesus himself experienced with his heavenly Father when he, that is Jesus, walked upon the earth. And so there exists for all born-again children of God this incredible possibility. The possibility of enjoying phenomenal, extraordinary fellowship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit, right here in our life now. This is a fellowship so phenomenal that it triumphs over any earthly pain or sorrow or disillusionment. It's a fellowship that enriches the soul and stabilizes the heart and the mind. It's an incredible possibility indeed. And I think any believer would say, I want that. I want that. Once we even have a hint of what it might be like. The possibility exists. But what turns possibility into reality? Well, that certainly is today's key question. What are the conditions under which this phenomenal fellowship happens? Because I dare say, if we went up to a hundred professing Christians, and very likely most of them born-again Christians, if they profess to know the Lord, if they profess to believe in Jesus as their Savior, the Bible says that's the very conditions under which new life is given. And only someone who's been given that new life actually talks that way. So if we went up to a hundred born-again believers, born-again Americans particularly, who know the Lord, who trust the Lord, who've been forgiven of their sins, and if we say to them, are you experiencing day by day what's being described this morning as phenomenal fellowship with Father, Son, and Spirit? A kind of fellowship that enables you to rise above any circumstance that, that would invade your life? A kind of fellowship that can deal with the disappointments, the discouragements, the, the overwhelming sense of loss, perhaps, at times? Are you experiencing that? I think a good number of them might say, well, sad to say, no, I'm not. I'd have to say I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth. I'm hanging on, just gripping on. And I know God will get me through. 
I know my, my future is secure. I know I have a hope of heaven. But I'll tell you, this life sometimes is just the opposite of heaven in every regard. And then we say, but, but there's the possibility. When Jesus walked through this world, he did not live a hell on earth experience. When Jesus walked through this world as a man, taking upon himself the humanity that you and I share, he exhibited a, a, a kind of life that, that was above. That we're calling today a phenomenal fellowship with God. And that fellowship enabled him to live almost like a little bit of heaven was right there within him and forever before him every day. Now, how do you get there? How do we get to where that is our experience? Because Jesus is obviously wanting it for us. What are the conditions? Well, in that verse we've read, there are two conditions found. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My father will love him and, and will come. Will come and make at the center of him a life experience that, that he could never have imagined. Life with God in the midst of a fallen world. Well, you see the two conditions. I'm sure they're not obscure to you. The first one, love Jesus. If anyone loves me. If anyone loves me. And we might say, well, sure, I, I love Jesus. I love what he did for me. I, I love the fact that he is who he is. I, but you know, love. If it's going to be relational, it has to be also somewhat emotional. It can't just be intellectual. I love what God did in sending his son. My goal my goal for us as a congregation is for us to come to the place where we can say, when we think of Jesus, we can honestly and emotionally and truly say, I really love that guy. Now, there's people in your life you feel that way about, right? Man, I really love that guy. You know, I, he stirs me, he excites me, he thrills me, he's my buddy, he's my friend. I love him. Now, how often do we think about Jesus that way? But see, that's the kind of way that builds the relationship and not just a theological set of truths. I really love that guy. So I want to suggest a whole list of things here. Let me just mention them, and, and you take note of them and, and see if they might be helpful to you. You know, we need to work on that every single day. We need to fall in love with him more and more. Now that begins by falling in love with him in the first place, but then keeping it going. Ask somebody who's been married 50 years, do you love your wife the way you did the day you were married? He might say, are you kidding? When we were married... We were full of life and zest, and we, we, we had something going there that was just profound. And you know, I'm 75 years old now. She's 75 years old now. We have memories of that love. Or the fellow might say to you, oh, man, you better believe it. 
we've been 75 years working on this love. When we first got married, we didn't even, we didn't even know the half of it. But I tell you, she thrills me more today than she did then. She's more beautiful to me today than she is then. I appreciate her forgiveness, her, her carefulness, her tender, all these things far more. I didn't even know she possessed all those things when I married her. You say, well, how come you got there? How come your love for her is more alive today, maybe than the day, and somebody else, you know, it says, heck, come on, we're just playing out the string here. Let's be honest. See, we can be that way with Jesus. With any relationship, but how sad when we're that way with the Son of God. There was a time where we were caught up in a way that we are no longer caught up in. Or you might say, you know, I've never really had more than just a, a doctrinal faith. I understand his love. I understand what he did. I gave myself to him. I asked God to forgive me of my sins, but I don't think I've ever really experienced what you're talking about here. I mean, my emotions have been invested in so many other places. I, I don't think in my whole life I've ever really thought of saying such a casual thing as, I really love that guy, talking to Jesus. Well, what I'm saying here today, that's what, that is a condition of, of this phenomenal thing we're talking about this morning. So we say, work on that every day, fall in love with him more and more, and read every word of his that's ever been recorded. And as a result, every word that's been written about him in the scripture. And come to truly admire him. Be impressed by him. Be convinced there's no other like him. Acknowledge his wisdom. Become familiar with his ways. Recognize that he's providing you a pattern for your own life. Do it like he did it. He even says that on numerous occasions. As you've seen me do this, you do this. And then seek, seek to personally connect with him, the living Lord Jesus, right now. Now, I'd like to share with you, just mention to you this morning, another contemporary tool. Going along with the book, The Shack, going along with the movie, The Shack, these are parables that can put images in your mind that can be helpful. Well, here's a parable. Here's a tool that can be extremely helpful, I believe, when it comes to just developing a love relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a, a brand new thing, only been out for a year or so, and it's still being developed, but it's a, a video series called The Chosen. The Chosen. And I just have to say to you, The Chosen is the most captivating and energizing depiction of Jesus' earthly life that I have ever come across. It is the most ambitious attempt the chronicle Jesus' life ever attempted. It's going to be a, like a TV show six years long with certain number of episodes in each year's until finally it's all put together. They're filming the second year right now. The first year has eight episodes. 
Linda and I read those, watched those, and just your, your heart is just uh, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. The character, the Jesus portrayed in this series will, I believe, just capture your heart. I've seen no other depiction ever that has the kind of compelling and uh, what seems to be truthfulness to it. Watching season one that's available to see, if you do that, see if you don't find yourself being drawn right into the story as though you were a contemporary of his yourself. See if you don't find yourself saying more and more as you just watch one, one biblical passage brought to life after another. See if you don't just find yourself saying, I really love that guy. I love all those disciples too, but boy, I just love that guy. Because I believe the hand of the Holy Spirit is upon that effort. And the person chosen, I know nothing else about him, but there's a, there's a, there's a truth that comes from that character and the way that it's depicted that I know is, is honoring to God. I really love that guy. And as you more and more become, and as that becomes the condition of your heart, you will inevitably and even somewhat automatically find yourself meeting condition number two. Condition one is love Jesus. Remember how Jesus put that second condition then? He said, now, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. Jesus is acting like if the love is there, the obedience will follow. Have you ever tried to be an obedient Christian? Have you ever made a list of all the things Christians are supposed to do? Has anybody ever made a list for you? Well, here's what Christians are supposed to do. And boy, you say, I want to be a good Christian, and you just look at that list and you check them out. I stopped this, stopped this, stopped this, stopped that, started this, started this, started that. By the way, Jesus said I should, and so I've been trying to do that. All of that becomes work. Just work. If you want to know about religious work, trying to obey in order to be good, ask God to send you back in a time machine and talk to a Pharisee. See, obedience to them was a job. Obedience to a lot of Christians is presented as a job, a duty, a responsibility. But the truth of it is, when love is in the picture, obedience is a response. It doesn't exist all by itself. Whenever obedience exists all by itself, it becomes duty, and it becomes wearisome, and it becomes difficult. When obedience is a response, it's automatic. You love him. And you found out something that would please him, and so you're practically running to do it. And so that's the second condition. Obey Jesus. Which is not burdensome if you love him. So my goal for us as a church would, for us to come to the place where we say, I really want to please that guy. 
I really love that guy. And because I, I really want to please that guy. So all I need to know is what will please him. But I really want to please that guy. And so therefore, another couple of statements we might give. Number one, seek out all of his instructions for your life. Now, we're not going to talk about all of them because there's a lot. But we're going to be selecting, like I told you a couple of weeks ago when we started this, I felt like the Holy Spirit just put a, a number of Jesus' teachings right in my head that I was just writing them out in a rush. We'll probably wind up with about 30 or so key ones. Jesus' desire for our life. Seek them out. As you read through the red letters yourself, make your own list. Find the place where Jesus is now. If you are a follower of mine, do such and such. Well, write that down. If you love me, keep my commandments, he says. Well, the obvious question is, what are they? What are they? Well, that's what we're in the process of doing. Be familiar, become familiar with these instructions. Make them your own. Acknowledge that they all are for your good. <laughs> We are going to come to a couple. That your natural reaction is going to be, I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. Well, when we come to those, you've got to remember, acknowledge, even those, all of them are for your good, given to you by someone who loves you deeply and even died for you, from someone that you love sincerely, And you're not going to question. You're going to just, if this will please him, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then follow them consistently and exuberantly. Know that your obedience pleases him and, and therefore as part of your daily life, sense his pleasure. Sense his pleasure. That's a powerful encouragement to keep right on keeping on. Now, consider with me what I'm calling today, today's spiritual dynamic. How does all this stuff fit together and how does it flow through and where is it going? Well, here we are, today's spiritual dynamic. Our love for Jesus pleases the Father. It honors Jesus and it results from the Spirit's work. As soon as a human being says, I love that guy, the Father rejoices. Jesus is honored and pleased, and the Spirit says, I've broken through. I've broken through that sinful resistance that's in the heart of every human being. I've been able to enlighten them to see the Son of God the way he wants to be seen. And their heart has been stirred and I've enabled them. So Father, Son, and Spirit are all part of that marvelous dynamic when we love Jesus. That's what our love for Jesus does. Secondly, our obedience to Jesus' teachings pleases the Father. On the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus, having taken Peter, James, and John up to the mountain with him, the voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. Listen. Pay attention. 
Yes, obey him. So our obedience to Jesus' teachings obviously pleases the Father and honors Jesus and also results from the Spirit's work. He is the one who gives us the motivation and gives us the grace to actually do spiritually obedient things in the midst of a world that has none of it and wants nothing to do with it. Third thing, the Father, Son, and Spirit just naturally take up residence. That's what Jesus says. Make our home. Take up residence in whomever such love and obedience is found. When there's love for Jesus in your heart, when there's obedience to the teachings of Christ as part of your life resume, uh, you don't have to put out a sign and say, waiting for heavenly occupation. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, we will. We will. They're looking for such places to have fellowship with men, to have fellowship with born-again children of God, and, and that just happens wherever love and obedience is found. Such fellowship is found. And so we say, and when they do, when Father, Son, and Spirit come together into a spiritual presence in your life, phenomenal fellowship is in joy. That's what God wants for us. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for me. I want us all to be able to say, you know, this world is passing away. I'm going to pass away one of these days. But this truth, this reality, this relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, along with all the words, all the things that Jesus talked about, it will never pass away. And so don't let it slip away while we're in the middle of this fallen world. In whatever way it expresses its fallenness in our life at any given moment, our real reality is right in my heart. The Father and the Son and the Spirit dwell. And they provide for me something that is, is completely apart from what this world offers. And that's where I choose to live. That's where I choose to find my delight. That's where my real reality is. So we conclude our message this morning by reading just this amazing scripture once again, all put back together. If anyone loves me, I don't raise your hand, don't talk right out loud, but how about saying, I do. I do. Can you even find yourself inside your own head, even if you don't have enough courage to say it right out loud, but inside your own head, can you say, I really love that guy. I really love that guy. Read a passage of scripture this week from the gospel and see Jesus doing something and think about it and visualize it and allow the Holy Spirit to make it real until you come to the place of just having your heart say, I really love that guy. I wish I'd been right there. I can understand the apostles who, who could say, Lord, we left all to follow you. 
because they really love me. And so we say, if anyone loves me, let's you and me be one of those anyone's. And instead of if, let's put that, that, that word since. Sometimes you see the Greek language, when they use, when the English word is used if to translate what's being said there, it's really a conditional statement that, that really, it says if, but it's done in such a grammatic way that it means it's a, it's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. So when it's translated into English, it's much, much better for us to use the English word since, because it's a sure thing. So Jesus is talking about a sure thing here. We could translate it since you love me. If anyone loves me, and there's a whole bunch who do, Jesus could have said, if anyone loves me, and there are, since so many love me, since you love me, but if you do, he will. He will obey my teachings. See, it's a, it's a result of the love. Since you love me, you will obey my teachings. And since you obey my teachings, my Father will love you. Oh, to know the love of God in a personal way. And we, Father and Son, and I'm sure Jesus had in his mind also the Spirit, and we will come to him and make our home with him, with you. If you love me. If you love me, you will obey my teachings, and my Father will love you, and we will come and make our home with you and bring a bit of heaven to earth. And what could be better than that? And so our final thought says, phenomenal fellowship. Phenomenal fellowship is God's plan for all who are his own. Let's not miss out. Amen. Oh, our Heavenly Father, you who conceived the universe and brought it into being, you applied that same incredible wisdom by bringing new life to each of us. We reflect the wisdom and the skill, and the understanding of God as a born-again child of God as much as does the vastness of this creation. For we, we who trust in Jesus as Savior, we who have been born again as children of God, we who are developing a relationship with Jesus that is real, and with the Spirit of God that's essential, we are as awesome to the hosts of heaven as the universe is to us. So, Father, we bow before you. And we ask that all the dynamics that you have built into this Christian life might be ours. 
may our love for Christ grow every day. And as a result, may our obedience to the teachings of Christ, the very teachings that bring us blessing and that Jesus said would be like a rock underneath the, our very life. Father, may they flow from us. And then in addition to the rock-like character they generate, may that fellowship with you, Father, Son, and Spirit, be ever-increasing. For we ask this and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.